episode of Beaver Pod Life. And today we have Naomi Meller. Naomi Meller's an equine vet. Hi, Naomi. Hi, Lucy. How are you doing? Thanks for coming today. So today we're going to talk about how networking helps people in their equine veterinary careers. But first of all, I'd just like you to introduce yourself to those that don't know you already and your very, very interesting career path that you've taken. Uh, thanks, Lucy. I'm not sure I'd call it interesting, but uh, winding, certainly. Um, yeah, so hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Naomi. Um, I qualified from Edinburgh in 2007, so 16 years ago this year. Um, I started my career on a tropical island in the South Pacific, which seems like a long time ago, but it was an amazing experience. Um, I went there to get some surgical skills and uh, was working for a charity for a clinic there for six months. Uh, came back and had a stint in mixed practice in Yorkshire. And then I disappeared down under for just under three years to do a couple of uh, stud seasons and worked in a racing practice down there. Um, came back and I started my locum journey at that point. So that was 2011. Um, worked at some brilliant clinics, actually. And I would give a nod to um, Oak Hill Vets in Lancashire, who were amazing. And I worked at Donington Grove in that t- period of time as well. Uh, and then was in um, a, an equine space mostly sport horse practice, but first opinion in Buckinghamshire for five and a half years after that. Uh, And then I kind of went back to racing, uh, worked a lot in racing in Australia. And then I rejoined uh, a friend who I'd worked with previously, just a very small uh, equine practice in Berkshire, just serving five or six racehorse trainers around Lambourne. And that was an amazing year with Jamie uh, before my slightly pesky husband required us to relocate to Suffolk. (laughs) And uh, I gave up a job that I really quite enjoyed uh, to go over to Suffolk with him. And at that point, I transferred out of practice um, into working in a regulatory veterinary role for the British Horse Racing Authority. Um, And I've just spent uh, four and a half years with them, um, during which time I also worked as a locum on the side, uh, the BHA role for anyone that doesn't know is usually a part-time role. So we normally do either 100 or 150 days a year on course uh, and in yards. So I fitted in a bit of locuming around the outside of that. Um, And for the last five years, I've also had a business producing and hosting podcasts as well. Um, I'm one or two people might have heard me wanging on on various uh, equine and veterinary podcasts. Uh, so I've done quite a few of those. I work with Vetstego Diversify quite a bit on their podcasts and uh, produce a couple of racing podcasts as well as doing things kind of outside the veterinary industry. So that is how my career is kind of shaping at the moment. That's fantastic. I mean, you the, the one of the things you said to me before we started recording was was how passionate you are about um, how people get through their careers by networking, talking to people. And talk to us a little bit about how that skill that you have um, has served you well during that career path. Well, I think networking is quite a dirty word, not just in veterinary, but in general. I think people hear it and they go, oh, and it sort of conjures up images of corporate rooms of rubbish wine and terrible chat and having to go and introduce yourself to people that you don't know and it's this horrible experience and it's really cringy and whatever and I just I think we don't really call it networking when it's done well actually I think that people who are good at networking wouldn't ever see themselves as a person that is good at networking. They're just like meeting people. And I think one of the things that you and I were discussing before we started recording, Lucy, was 
in amongst all of those many jobs that I've just listed to you, I think I've only applied for one or two of those. And I did have to do go through a formal application process at the BHA, but I was recruited into that job by a friend, somebody I had previously worked with. And I then subsequently have recruited other people into other roles. And I think a lot of it has my jobs through my career have come through people I know or opportunities have cropped up through people that I've met. And I think one of the things I'm really passionate about is opening yourself up to possibilities in your career in clinical practice or otherwise, depending on what your specialty or interest is, but actually taking the time to try and put yourself out there. And it doesn't have to be cringy, awful, awkward. It can be really, really fun, to be quite honest. And I think Beaver is a really good platform for that. Um, And so I think it was one of the things we were just going to chat a little bit about today and and how people can go about doing that. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that it's more important in our equine veterinary profession in particular, because it's a fairly small profession, Mm -hmm. isn't it? So, you know, there's the, the, the ability to network's perhaps greater in that sense, but also everyone seems to know each other, don't they? So that's, you know, that can be quite a pro, if you like, rather than a con, because it means you can certainly access different parts of the industry much more easily. Would you say that's, that's Definitely. right? I think that's so true. And I think it's one big tip that I give to young vets and, and also people who might not feel like they are very sociable. So I love a party. I love going out, like if I'm at a conference, I'm always the person that's in the bar late or whatever. Like that's my personality and I love that, but not everybody does. Um, And I think one of the things that benefits from a small industry is, as you say, Luce, like everyone knows each other. So if you are somebody who is new to the industry, particularly in the early stages of your career, the thing I always recommend is asking for introductions. And it's that again takes a bit of bravery but once you start doing it you'll find that people are really willing to help so um when I went into podcasting I went into a completely new industry where I didn't know a soul basically and I had a pretty good network of contacts in veterinary which had been built up over 10 years or more but I literally didn't know anyone and so I just started saying do you know anyone who does x y or z can you introduce me to them and I think it's just the same in veterinary it doesn't matter what industry you're working in but finding one person to help you in the first instance is like a waterfall. They will introduce you to another person who then might say, well, I'm not any good for helping you get a medicine certificate, but if you're interested in doing a residency, you might want to speak to this person, for example. And I think that is one of my uh, big tips I give to young vets is to not be afraid to put yourself out there and also to even just send cold emails if you don't like being on the phone or you don't like going out in person. Just sending emails to people uh, can be really a good way of getting in as well. Yeah, and I guess from a student point of view, you know, that's that's often where some students really do find opportunities come from is when they're seeing practice or via tutors and, you know, lecturers at university. Um, if you If they can, you know, get... If they can be in contact with good people who will help them out in that way, they'll often find themselves, you know, overwhelmed with with opportunities to do to to take. So, would would what would your sort of advice be? I suppose to a student that was perhaps, you know, in their final year, and you know, they're perhaps quite involved in the equine industry already. But how would you advise them to go about creating that network as they become a graduate and in their recent graduate years? Yeah, so I'll just give you an example um, that. 
last year, I went to give a little talk at Cambridge about working and racing to their final years. And I said, if anybody wants to come and spend time with me, just send me an email. And one person did. And she is an Irish girl who's a very good student. And I said, do you want to come to the races with me? And the day she ended up picking was the King George Day at Ascot. And she was standing in the paddock with me and she said, that's, that's Camilla, who at that stage was, she wasn't queen consort then, but, and she had the most fantastic day. She literally came to the best day ever at Ascot. It was like beautiful weather, it's amazing racing. It was so glamorous. And I was like, not every day is like this, but, you know, and she had a fantastic day. She, came, she went away feeling really enthused about working as a vet in racing. And, she could see the opportunities that were available, not just in clinical practice. And she had then taken the opportunity to follow up on something that had been offered to her in a way. I mean, maybe there wasn't anyone else that was interested in working in racing, which is absolutely fine. But she had taken that step. And I and I then have recommended her onto other people. I wouldn't hesitate to recommend her for a job because she was brill. Um, so I think that's one thing just keeping in touch with people you've met in practice. Um, I had another student last year who spent a day with me in the car when I was on a locum. She also came to the races with me. Again, she followed up and said, can I come out? And we just arranged some dates. And I then sent her off with other people and said, go spend some time with that person and this person and whatever. Um, so I think that's one thing. The second thing I think is also when you first start in practice... And I don't know whether the BVA young network is young vet network is is very active anymore. But Lucy, you and I were saying like, when we started in practice, I had a great group in Yorkshire of young vets around who were all in our first year or two of practice. Because it's really hard when you first start. Like it's so difficult when you first get going. And I think it can be really lonely as well. And I think sometimes then you can't see the wood for the trees when you've had a terrible day and a client's complained or you've made a mistake, which everybody does. Um, it's very, very hard to pull yourself out of that without a network around you. So um, that's my other kind of big tip is obviously you've got friends from college who are hopefully still working in the veterinary industry. They might not be, but um, and and maybe that's right for them. But I think finding a network of people around you and other young vets in your area, whether that's from your own practice or otherwise, is a really good way of um, of kind of having people around you who can encourage you, tell you that everything's going to be fine, but also just have fun with as well, because, you know, that's what you need when you're, when you're young and when you're old, actually. <laughs> Yeah, and support's clearly very important. We see that now. I mean, back 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 in the day, I guess when you or I were students, then it wasn't quite so online based, mm. was it? There was definitely. I remember lots of networking and lots of support from meeting people at CPD courses, and I guess that still is the case. Um, now with much more online um, platforms, you know, there's there's forums, there's groups, isn't there, on social media, and and Beaver's actually now got this Beaver Buddy app that has a discussion forum ability on it, chat, you know, chat to individuals, chat to each other. Um, and so I think keeping in touch with people in your peer group, but also those that might offer the opportunities that we've been talking about, that's a, that's a new way to do it, isn't it, online? Mm. How would you advise people kind of get involved with the online side of things? Yeah, so I mentioned Vets Day Go Diversify before, um, and I think there's a very, very strong veterinary community around that. Um, the other person I would shout out here is Katie Ford, which if people don't know Katie, she is an absolutely digital whiz kid. She was a small animal vet originally, so she doesn't come from an equine background, but she runs 
veterinary specific networking sessions online for people. And I think one of the things, as I said at the beginning about networking is that it can seem very intimidating. And Casey is somebody who absolutely ensures that those sessions are brilliantly curated, people are looked after, that you are welcomed. And I think if you want to go and meet other people in the veterinary industry, equine or otherwise, that's a really good place to start. Um, and I'm sure we can link to to that in the show notes to this or Beaver can provide the links there, hopefully Liz. But um, Katie is somebody who does a really good job of that. And I think those digital communities can be a really positive place to meet people. I think social media is a double-edged sword, personally. Um, I don't love to spend too much time on social media myself, even though I think it has some brilliant positives. Um, and so that's not for everybody. But if you are into Instagram, Facebook, whatever, um, another person who does digital community brilliantly is Scott Kilpatrick, uh, who runs VTX. He's someone I was in college with who is amazing. And he's really fun. He's really lovely. He's really supportive. Again, they have a slightly more small animal focus, but there's a whole range of vets and nurses um, involved with the community that he runs as well. And that stems from a podcast and digital community as well. So there's lots happening if you know where to look. And I think sometimes as equine vets, we're not sitting in front of a computer. You're in the car most of the time. It's really hard to find those things. Um, but yeah, certainly podcasts and and those digital communities can be a really good place to start. That's good. So, and then we have this sort of um, something that Beaver's focusing on, which we, you know, we try and support students as much as possible, particularly those that are looking at trying to um, engage in the in an equine career when they graduate. Um, there's lots of people we realise at university that perhaps would like to enter the equine profession, but they perhaps don't have a horsey background. Mm. And I gather you didn't have a horsey background, and yet you've had a very equine heavy career. Mm. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you'd sort of support and, and advise somebody that was maybe just worried about getting involved in in the horsey world because they don't feel like they belong there but it, but actually there's a way to overcome that yeah so I I didn't come from a particularly horsey background at all my parents have no interest in horses whatsoever I rode a little bit as a child and then I had a really bad accident when I was 13 and I wasn't allowed to ride for a while after that um and so I went into vet school you know, I could put a head collar on a horse, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't, I'd never had a pony. I wasn't, I wasn't a pony child or anything. Um, and I went, came out of college thinking I was going to be a dairy vet because I'm from Cheshire and I'm from a really big dairy area. I did my dissertation on dairy cows. I did nearly all my EMS on dairy. That was my real focus. I didn't really have that much of an intention of being a horse vet, if I'm honest. And I fell into it. I had a really, really good boss in my first job in Yorkshire, who was an amazing equine practitioner. And funnily enough, uh, many of you will be familiar with Justin Kane Smythe, who she and I worked in that job together. She's gone on to much greater things than me on the equine side of things. But I think that's a testament to the example that we were shown of what a good equine practitioner could be. And I decided then that I wanted to go away and travel. And so I went to Australia and I went to a clinic where I was worked extremely hard by a boss who was quite difficult, but I did learn a lot. And I would say that in advance of going to Australia, I had no experience with thoroughbreds at all. Mm -hmm. I'd never 
really knew anything about racing. I'd been to the races maybe like once or twice as a kid to Jester. Um, I certainly had no knowledge of the breeding industry, racing industry. I didn't really know anything about racing at all. And it was through just being thrown in the deep end <laughs> in Australia that I was like, oh, okay, I quite like thoroughbreds, really like foals especially. And um, turns out quite like racing as well. So that was how I got into it. And I don't know how you get into an industry that you have no background in when it seems like a closed shop other than my best advice that I always give to people is if there's a if the door is slightly open, just kick it. And <laughs> that's, that's what I did. And so I think I just sort of had a little opening for a job, went down there and then just tried to learn as much as I could. And it was really hard. And when you're thrown in the deep end, it was really stressful at times. And I, I think you either sink or swim and I, it's not for everybody to be thrown in like that. It was such hard work and I worked so many hours. I think my mum thought I was on holiday for three years, but I really wasn't. <laughs> I was working so hard and I've never been so tired in it all my life, but it was really good experience. And I saw lots of stuff and I was allowed to do lots of stuff that I don't think I would have been doing here at that age, quite honestly, because I was working in a relatively rural area and y you just sort of had to get on with it. Um, and so that was how I learned. And I don't think I necessarily always learned the best way either. Um, mm. But I, in time, I don't think that was to my detriment, actually. Um, I think I just learned how to do things practically, quickly and alone, which mm. stood me in good stead for ambulatory practice here. Yeah, and I think that's that's that sort of summarises quite nicely. I think the situation that we often hear about where some people are maybe in equine practice, maybe, you know, they might not be getting on well with the boss or other colleagues. And I suppose it 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 lends itself well to remember that you've got a much wider network of support than just the immediate people that you work with. So, you know, if you are in a job that you're not getting on well with, or you might thinking about changing, network with other people outside of that you know, local area in your in your practice. Um, speak to other people, other Beaver members, speak to friends. Like you said, network with people when you come across them, keep in contact with them, keep their contact details. And mm. just, again, email mm. out the blue. You mm. It's three years ago that you met someone, you know, email out the blue, get in touch. And I think you're right, make the most of the ability to do that nowadays that we have with online, you know, facilities. Um, so, yeah, just to remind people really that the, the Beaver does try to help with that networking. And I think you're right, it's extremely valuable. So people coming out of vet school can can join the leg up um, coaching uh, scheme that we run and you know with the forum on the app you can keep in touch with people that way and to attend things attend the cpd mm. courses go and have the sort of networking opportunities and congress and places because that's where these doors will open themselves or at least show themselves and <laughs> i think it's really them. good to remind people that the that beaver has those opportunities to keep in touch with people because mm -hmm. in one thing i found where going to things more in the creative industries everybody uses linkedin that's like the automatic business card. It's like, are you on LinkedIn? Oh, let's connect. Then I'll follow up. That's it. I don't think vets use LinkedIn at all because nobody needs to really, or not very many. And it, we don't have that kind of natural quote unquote business card. Unless you swap numbers with people, it can be a little bit difficult to get the follow-up that you need for the next step 
And I think sometimes just being brave enough to say, can you give me your email address and just stick it in your phone? I use notes on my iPhone all the time. And I just often have one open for like people I've met or whatever. And I think just even if you don't want to ask someone for their m- number because you think it's a bit personal, just say, oh, can I, f- can I send you an email? Like, can I have your email address? Which might be weird if you're in a bar or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> I think otherwise using Beaver is a, is a really good way. And I think the other thing I'd say is if you meet somebody cool that you can't, you haven't got their contact details, but you want to get in touch with them. Someone like you, Lucy, knows everybody as well. And actually, you've probably got the contact details for most movers and shakers in the equine industry. Like if anyone rings you up and says, oh, Lucy, I met Jonathan Pycock. Let's give him a shout out. You know, I don't have his number. Can you put me in touch? People are happy to do that. And I think that's something to bear in mind. Yeah, and it definitely happens, like you say, in our small industry, our small profession, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever you want to call it is, is really powerful, isn't it? It's more like three degrees. One. It doesn't take long. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take long to get to the person you need to get to. So no, I think that's a really nice way to wrap it up. That yeah, just just reach out basically. There's lots of ways to do it. Like you say, you can be really forward or more subtle about it with email or whatever, but there is the ability to to, to network within our profession and we should embrace that with both hands. 100%. Thank you so much for your time today, Naomi. And um, I hope to have another podcast with you again in the future when you come back and talk a bit more about your podcasting as well. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care. Bye.